produced by the iLab at WBUR Boston. Welcome to Kind World. I'm Andrea Aswahi. And I'm Yasmin Ammer. So mid-May marks two months since we've been at home. I could have never, ever, ever imagined this would have happened. Andrea, is there anything you're particularly struggling with right now? Yeah, you know, honestly, I'm having a really hard time being creative. You know, we write for a living and Mm -hmm. it's been getting really, really hard to write these days. And I think it's because we normally work in such a collaborative environment that really fuels my creativity. So it's been tough. But, you know, I've been thinking a lot about these amazing writers who have worked in isolation and created, you know, masterpieces. So I'm really channeling Emily Dickinson here, trying to get some of those good New England writing vibes. (laughs) I feel you. I mean, I get my creative fuel from other people, just random conversations. And, you know, those are not happening as much. But there are strategies, real concrete strategies that we can adopt to cope with all the scary stuff out there. And today, we've got just the person to guide us. Dr. Lori Santos is a professor of psychology at Yale University, and she's the host of the podcast The Happiness Lab. At Yale, Lori teaches a class called The Science of Well-Being, and it's actually the largest class in Yale's history. The goal of the class is to do two separate things. One is a thing that's kind of typical of classes here at Yale, where we're going to teach you some content. We're going to teach you about the science of happiness, all these cool new findings that the field of psychology has. But the second part, which is a little bit different, which is the kind of journey part, is that we're not just going to do stuff on the science of happiness. We're going to think about the practice of happiness, too. One of the things we're going to so we asked her, what kind of advice can you give us during a pandemic? And not surprisingly, one of the first things Lori said was step away from the phone. There's lots of evidence coming out that the mere presence of having your phone around you, like if it's off at a table, you know, while you're having dinner or something, it's actually stealing a little bit of your attention and affecting the extent to which you're enjoying the events around you, you know, even if you're not really using it. And so that's been like a big aha moment for me about like, wait, this is a behavior I need to be changing in my life quickly. Laurie knows that small positive changes make a big difference, especially right now. So in response to the pandemic, Lori and her team created a mini-series of the Happiness Lab on how to cope with the threat of the coronavirus. In this crisis, we all know the simple interventions we need to do to protect our physical health, right? We need to be, you know, washing our hands and socially distancing and stuff. But I think folks really didn't know what they could do to protect their mental health. So our COVID episodes are really structured to try to give you a particular a set of tips on an individual topic. So how can you promote social connection? How can you protect your relationships and your marriage during this really scary time? How can you avoid the thing that I was tending to do a lot, which is like panic scrolling? You know, how do you kind of use your phone mindfully in a way that helps you rather than makes you more anxious? I'm curious if there's a specific practice that you learned doing those coronavirus episodes that have really helped you during this really weird and stressful time? 
Yeah, I think the biggest one was talking to uh, Bill Irvine, who's a philosopher and has a cool new book called The Stoic Challenge. The Stoics thought that whenever you had an awful event in your life, you should kind of be really happy and grateful. You should say, oh, this is a, like a spot where I can really build up my resilience muscles, right? You know, like before everything was chill and easy, but now I'm like picking up the big weights at the gym or, you know, like, like upping a level in my game. And so the Stoic challenge approach to dealing with the crisis is to really think of how you want to view this crisis afterwards. You know, like you want to get through this crisis with flying colors and be proud and be able to tell your grandkids, yeah, I served survived, you know, the coronavirus 2020, but I was awesome and I really thrived and I helped people. And so Bill kind of walked me through what that approach was and sort of how even in this really scary time, you could take on a challenge framework rather than a sort of panicked or sad framework. It's a framework that's really helped me take things that would normally be scary and awful and to give me a positive emotional framework, but also a framework that requires my action. I can take agency in the context of this crisis. And I think right now that feels really powerful too. Emotional frameworks, taking agency, simple interventions. We know this can sound like wellness mumbo jumbo, but trust me when I say Andrea and I kind of felt it a little too when we heard the phrase, the science of happiness. But Lori's approach isn't about expensive yoga retreats. Which is totally fine, by the way, if that's what you're into. I mean, yeah. But this is all built on science. You know, this isn't just platitude stuff that I made up. Like, here's the study, link to the study. Here's the graph. You know, here's the randomized control trial. We really want people to realize that this stuff that we're saying is evidence-based. Lori's class and podcast are full of surprising findings, ones that really turn the way we think upside down, like how our circumstances don't matter nearly as much as we think they do. You know, we have countless people on the podcast who either have really dire, awful circumstances, you know, people who are in debt, people who've like lost body parts or people who've had awful health news. And we've also had people who are incredibly privileged, you know, like millionaires and so on. And, and what you find is that You can be incredibly miserable and incredibly privileged and rich, and you can also be super, super happy in the most awful of objective of circumstances. Um, One of my favorite episodes called The Unhappy Millionaire, uh, we interview this guy, Clay Cockrell, who's a wealth psychologist, a psychologist that works only with the super, super rich, the like 0.1%. And, you know, he like you have a hard time getting an appointment with him because there's so many people out there who really need his services, you know, people who have more money than you could possibly imagine and they're just absolutely miserable with it. I think that is really an important theme that we need to come to terms with if we want to improve our well-being because often we're putting effort into fixing things. We're just kind of going about it the wrong way. And being a scientist, Lori's also thinking about the bigger picture. Why we're struggling with happiness, with higher depression and suicide rates, and what we can do as a society to change that. You know, when people are in poverty, like when people are living below the poverty line, like can't put food on their table, like that matters a lot. And I think we do need to address some of the structural inequities that are happening in our country because those matter a lot for well-being, too. That said, I think the mental health issues we're seeing aren't just among the unprivileged. Some of the 
college student mental health cases are in people who are incredibly rich, incredibly privileged. And that suggests to me that there's something else going on. And I think part of it is that people are really doubling down on things that they think are going to make them happy, but then they don't end up making them as happy as they think. And so I think part of this mental health crisis is we're prioritizing the wrong stuff. You know, we're focusing on work and grades and these things at the opportunity cost of things like social connection. We're really obsessed with treating ourselves and like self-care at the expense of being other-oriented enough to care about other people. You know, we're really not allowing ourselves to be present because whenever we feel anxious, we have these easy distractions of phones and things like that. And so I think we're kind of systematically engaging in behaviors that are the least likely to promote our mental health. So how can we start getting back on track towards better mental health and boosting our happiness levels? We have more with Dr. Lori Santos after the break. Welcome back to Kind World. I'm Yasmin Ammer. And I'm Andrea Aswahe. This week, we're dedicating our whole episode to a conversation we had with Dr. Lori Santos, professor of psychology at Yale University, and the host of the podcast, The Happiness Lab. Lori's class is so popular that it's held in a concert auditorium on campus and it's online for free, so anyone can take it. She's already taught more than 2 million students online. And Lori says she hears from her students and podcast listeners all the time about how the class has improved their lives. But recently, she learned how one of her former Yale students— 20-year-old Liam Elkind, who lives in New York City, really took her lessons to heart. He teamed up with a couple of friends to set up this organization called Invisible Hands, where elderly individuals could basically ask for certain food deliveries, in fact, or to pick up their medicine and so on. And like young people who are less at risk for this virus could go out and sort of do those deliveries for them. And over spring break, it turned into like a 10,000 person strong organization with thousands upon thousands of people helped in New York. And it was super awesome because I realized, you know, I was reading about this story. I'm like, oh, man, this Yale kid's so cool. That's so awesome. And then I realized like, oh, wait, he took the class, you know. And so in our podcast, we talk about the fact that he learned about how helping other people really mattered. He learned about the fact that social connection could be super powerful. It was really cool to kind of see that he was taking these things he learned in class and putting them into action in such a genuine way and in a way that was helping so many people. What Liam did is exactly what Lori hopes her students will do too, putting the lessons she teaches in the classroom into practice in their own lives. Lori's class is about doing, not just studying. It's no wonder she calls the science of well-being the hardest class at Yale. And Lori says she's learning these techniques, too, just like the rest of us. She's had to make positive changes that became good habits, sleeping enough, exercising regularly, and meditating. I myself do a gratitude meditation practice where I just kind of scroll through and think about all the things I'm grateful for in life. And I've also gotten a lot out of doing what's called loving-kindness meditation. And so this is a form of meditation where you're trying to build up your compassion muscles. The, The way it works is you sit there and you scroll through people in your life 
that you really care about and you just kind of wish them well. So pick someone you absolutely adore in life and then just think to yourself, may that person be happy. May that person be healthy. May that person care for themselves joyfully. You kind of scroll through different people in your life, kind of building up to folks that might be harder and harder to wish compassion to. At some point in the practice, you wish yourself compassion, which for some people, including me, can be a little hard. You know, may I be happy? May I be healthy? May I care for myself joyfully? Um, That's not as easy as it maybe should be for some folks. But the research shows that this kind of practice can be incredibly useful for protecting against burnout. It can also be an incredibly powerful practice for giving yourself some self-compassion, basically not beating yourself up. For me, it's been really helpful for both of those things, but also for kind of dealing with the people in your life that are a little hard to deal with. You know, we all have those folks that are, you know, a little trying of our patients. But if you go through a practice of extending that person compassion and you realize, you know, they just want to be healthy and happy too, even if they're kind of doing it in a way that can be kind of annoying. It can be a really powerful practice for allowing you to experience some compassion for people that are difficult in life. So we asked Lori, what can we start doing now to help us and our listeners find a little bit of peace as we go through the pandemic? I think it's really just to remember the power of post-traumatic growth. Things that might feel awful right now are actually going to make you stronger in the long run, right? Like they're going to allow you to have uh, more meaning in your life, the data suggests. They're going to allow you to form stronger social relationships. They're going to make you happier in an odd way and stronger on the other side. And in the moment, She says, just remember to breathe. The idea of taking three deep breaths can be super, super powerful for regulating anxiety. It sounds cheesy. You know, it's the kind of thing somebody tells you, like, if you're upset, like, take a deep breath, you know, so it can feel kind of pedantic. But actually, it's a practice that has an incredible evidence base because it's literally like regulating your sympathetic nervous system and shutting off your fight or flight response. And of course, a class with a Yale professor wouldn't be complete without a homework assignment. A course rewirement, as Lori calls it, since it's meant to retrain your brain. Your rewirement for today is to do one random act of kindness. Could you call an elderly neighbor who needs to hear from you? Could you donate something to an important cause, you know, a local business that might be struggling right now? What can you do to help someone else that's not yourself? And the reason we assign this is that research shows that the act of spending our time and our money on other people actually makes us happier than spending our money and our time on ourselves. So that's your rewirement for the day. Random act of kindness, ideally a couple of random acts of kindness if you could squeeze them in, and be a little mindful about how that felt afterwards. And my guess is that you'll get that wonderful warm glow, as economists call it, um, from doing something nice for another person. We're on it, Professor. Thank you so much to Dr. Lori Santos for speaking to us. You can enroll in her class, The Science of Wellbeing, for free on Coursera.org. And listen and subscribe to The Happiness Lab, now airing in its second season on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening to Kind World this week. Check out our Instagram for more on this episode and a look into how we make the show. We're at WBUR Kind World. Kind World is a production of WBUR, Boston's NPR station. Paul Vikas and Matt Reed do our sound design. Sophie Eisenberg is our WBUR fellow. Catherine Brewer is our managing producer and editor. And Iris Adler is our executive producer. I'm reporter and producer Yasmin Amr. And I'm reporter and producer Andrea Aswahe. We'll be back with a full episode of Kind World next Tuesday. But on Friday, we'll have another listener voicemail drop in your feed. 
so you can start your weekend off with our bonus moment of kindness. If you've got a story for us, call 617-353-6350 and leave us a voicemail. Thanks for listening. See you next week.